season in the church calendar called Lent, like Jerry talked about earlier. Growing up in the little southern town that I grew up in, um, I had some vague idea about what Lent was, but uh, didn't really get it. Uh, you know, to me, it always just kind of seemed like that old joke, you know, quick, don't think about elephants. And, of course, the first thing you know is think of elephants. And so to me, Lent, when I thought about, okay, we're going to give something up for 40 days, it's like, quick, don't think about how much you want a hamburger. <laughs> So far as I knew, uh, Lent is just this time of year when, you know, one Tuesday everybody has a big party and eats jambalaya and does stuff about New Orleans. Uh, and then they pick something they really like and try to make it 40 days without doing it so that they can prove to God that they're really sorry for the stuff that happened on that Tuesday. Um, or, or, or maybe Lent is just this kind of religious thing that the one or two Catholic kids in my high school did. You know, I wasn't quite sure because in the town I grew up in, I don't remember ever actually seeing a Catholic church, but there were a couple of Catholic kids, so there must have been one hiding in amongst the Baptists and Methodists somewhere. So, um, but the main thing, I, you know, I knew that after my French teacher taught us about Mardi Gras, then the one or two Catholic kids would do this Lent thing, and it had something to do with eating fish. Uh, and so even now, as I study and prepare for this sermon and, you know, look at the, do the research, uh, a lot of that kind of still floats around in my mind, and I think a lot of it's still kind of out there in popular culture. It's, it, it almost gets like Lent is like a, a, a new weight loss program. You know, I went through 40, 40 days of Lent and lost 35 pounds, and then the thing flashes up. Results, not typical. <laughs> but maybe we're missing the point. You know, maybe Lent is about something different, about finding out what's in control of you. 
you know, like Bob Dylan says, it's, uh, uh, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And uh, everybody has something that they're serving. Uh, and let's look at the text for today, which is, after all, that's the Lent text. It's kind of where we got the idea, like Jerry was talking about again, that the, the whole reason we do the 40 days of Lent is uh, uh, kind of commemoration and, and going through the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. Um, now, there's the obvious thing that happens here. Jesus fasts from food for 40 days. Uh, and he also fasts from human interaction. You know, he goes out into the wilderness. So that's kind of where we get the idea uh, about giving up something for Lent. Uh, but like I said earlier, it's, uh, it's kind of missing the point if we're just giving something up so that we can give it up. Uh, Jesus had a really specific purpose for what he was doing. Uh, there's a very specific reason why Jesus wound up in the desert. You know, did you catch it? The reason why? It's because the Spirit sent him there. You know, and the Spirit had a reason for sending him there. You know, did you catch what that reason was? It was to be tempted by the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little more than odd to me. You know, it's downright disturbing. God sent Jesus into the desert to be tempted by Satan. You know, not just to a place where temptation might happen. Uh, you know, it's a, but God is all-knowing the way that we believe, uh, then it could have only been for the very purpose of that temptation. You know, in verse 4 it says, uh, or chapter 4, I mean, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Uh, now, if anybody knows anything about the 12-step programs, uh, there's, there's one thing that they're going to tell you, that the time when you're most vulnerable to temptation, uh, and there's a handy way to remember it, it's halt. Uh, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, you should halt, because that's when you're most susceptible to temptation. Jesus was at least three of the four things there mentioned. You know, he was hungry, he was lonely, he's been in the, in the desert for 40 days. Uh, he couldn't have been anything but tired. And if he's fully human, as we believe, then being in those three conditions, he couldn't help but be a little angry as well. I mean, at least kind of grumpy, right? If I haven't eaten for 40 days, I'm... <laughs> so here's Jesus. He was filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit leads him into the wilderness uh, for, for what can only be described as this kind of a, a vision quest. Uh, knowing full well that at some point out there in the wilderness, he's going to be very severely tempted by Satan. And then Satan comes. And as is so often the case, Satan goes straight for the places where Jesus is the most vulnerable. Uh, there's three kind of recorded instances here of the things that Satan tempts Jesus with, where Satan kind of takes a stab throwing Jesus off of his mission. Uh, and so often when we see this presented, and if you just kind of scan through the story, it's like Satan's pitching underhanded, you know. It's like he's just kind of lobbing these easy things at Jesus, and Jesus just swats them down without any kind of real struggle. You know, Satan just tosses up this easy temptation, and Jesus throws out a scripture reference, and then it's done. You know, and so we kind of treat that often as a prescription for how we're to handle our own temptations. Like, well, you know, Jesus used the scriptures, to, and he was able to counter the devil's temptation. So if we just memorize enough Bible verses, then every time we get tempted, we can just throw out a Bible verse and everything will be great. You know, we won't be tempted at all. 
But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus wasn't fully tempted by the things that Satan was throwing out there, then Jesus wasn't a human. You know, the snapshot that we see of these three temptations from Satan aren't Satan just kind of lobbing easy tests at Jesus that Jesus swats down. These are evil, insidious, and painful to resist. Satan goes straight for Jesus' immediate felt need. The first thing he goes after is his hunger. And the devil says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answers, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone. So what is it that you're hungry for? You know, how often does the devil, you know, whatever the devil looks like as, as the devil enters into your life, uh, what, what kind of hunger does the devil throw in your face? And how easy is it to fulfill it? You know, because Jesus could have easily turned that stone into bread. He probably didn't need the devil to tell him that. You know, uh, the hungrier he got, you can bet the more tempted he was to do it. And it's the same with ours. And, and in a society we live in, for the most part, whatever it is you're hungry for, you can have it almost as instantly as Jesus speaking and the stone being turned to bread. You know, if you want food, there's a ton of places that are going to have it for you 24 hours a day. You want escapism? You flip on the TV or a computer or buy a drug or get your doctor to prescribe you one. And I'm not saying those sorts of things are all wrong and evil. You know, No more than it would have been wrong in itself for Jesus to turn the stone into bread. Uh, but Satan was after Jesus to turn away from service to others. He was after Jesus to take some of his strength and set a few things right for himself first take care of his own needs. And when you look at it that way, it doesn't sound that bad, does it? But Jesus answers that we don't live on bread alone. And that's the point, isn't it? You know, we have hungers, we have these desires, but they're not going to fulfill us. Our deepest temptations lie in the idea that if we just got this one thing, if this one thing was just true in our lives, uh, then our desire would somehow be quenched. But Jesus calls that lie for what it is. You, know, you may give in to your hunger, but you're not going to be ultimately satisfied. And if you think you will, then that thing you're hungry for just became your God. And so Satan takes this thing another step further. Uh, in verse 5, he says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan sees that he's not getting his way with his first tactic. And so he takes a little bit of a deeper stab. He goes after Jesus' mission in the world. You know, Jesus came into the world to redeem the world, to set up, his, to set up God's kingdom. But Jesus, in some way, had to have known what that meant. We can argue back and forth about Jesus' self-identification. Did he know uh, everything that he was? You know, was being fully God, did he know the future? Did he know exactly how he was going to die? Uh, or, or, you know, being fully human, did he face an uncertain future like we do? Uh, there's a lot of discussion for that, and it's interesting that we'll, we'll have a chat over coffee one day. Um, but either way... Jesus would have known what happened to people who challenged religious authority. Jesus would have known what happened to people who stood against the Roman Empire. 
you know, either way you slice it, he would have had some idea of what kind of fate was going to befall him if he continued on this mission that God was calling him to. So the, the devil gets really clever and says, look, you don't have to go through all that. Just worship me. I'll give you everything. So you think about it. You know, If you know that you're on this path and you feel called and you know that this is what God is calling to you, calling you to do, but you know that it's going to lead to your death. But then somebody offers you another path where maybe you can do some good and it's going to be a whole lot easier. What are you going to do? And before we make this into too much of an easy answer, I mean, obviously you're supposed to pick the hard way, right? (laughs) Before we make this into too much of an easier answer, think about all the genuinely good stuff that Jesus could have done with all that power and influence that the devil was offering him. How easy would it have been to talk himself in to compromising the greater mission for the easier mission just by playing the logistics of this thing? You know, just to think about what makes more pragmatic sense to do. I mean, doesn't it make more sense to get all that power and then you can do so much good for people? But God rarely, if ever, makes practical sense. And Jesus counters this scripture by saying, we're to worship God only. And this means in part uh, honoring God by living into God's purpose, even when that's not the easy way. Uh, Even and maybe especially when that purpose is completely counter to our ideas of what could work. You know, God seems to have little interest in being practical when it comes to our service to, to God and to humanity. And so then the devil decides to get really tricky with Jesus. You know, Jesus has been answering with scripture all this time. Uh, so the devil decides to pull out some scriptures of his own. The devil says, uh, it says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, the temptation here is so devious and subtle and crafty. On first glance, it it seems simple. You say, well, duh. Of course he's not going to throw himself off off the temple. That's stupid. But look at it like this. Look at it in the way that we're tempted. Uh, Satan goes for that immediate thing first. If that doesn't work, he tries to get you to compromise what you're doing in the world. When that doesn't work, he goes for your identity. Because what's really going on here is he's challenging Jesus here. He's saying, really? You have to do this thing for God and you're sure you are who you say you are? Why don't you give it a test? Jump off this roof here and see if it fulfills what uh, all these scriptures have been saying about you. And so Jesus says, you know, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And there's two ways to kind of read that response. Um, you know, the way I've all, kind of always heard it and the way I've always read it was that he's saying, I'm God and you're not supposed to put me to the test. Uh, and, you know, like I said, that makes sense. I think there's a, that's, but, but the more I look at it, the more I'm starting to think that the real temptation here. It's in trying to get Jesus to test God, to see if God's going to hold up God's end of the deal. You know, in other words, the question here that the devil's putting forth is, are you a person of faith, or do you need some proof? 
Let me tell you something. If I was to throw myself off a roof and suddenly angels swooped down and picked me up and carried me and kept me from being harmed, I don't need any faith. I would know exactly for sure who I was. And how many times do we want that kind of assuredness? You know, we want to have clear scientific proof about miracles. We want to have right evidence and all the right formulas. You know, we want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's in a perfect doctrine. And we want to be sure that we don't have any kind of doubt. But that's not faith. Assuredness is not the same thing as faith. It takes zero faith for me to put water in the freezer and expect to pull out ice cubes. I've tested it. I know it works. <laughs> but to take this socially awkward and painfully self-conscious person and sit up here and talk to y'all, <laughs> that takes faith that I don't even know where it's from. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if it's there, so I'll say um a few more times. <laughs> you know, so maybe in all of this, as we're looking for something to give up for Lent, Maybe we can take a step back from the things that we think we need to know for certain. If your God fits neatly into categories, then you have to ask yourself if that's even God anymore. You know, I mean, if it's true of people, if we can't put people in these boxes and treat them like our preconceived notions of them, how much more can we not afford to do the same thing to God? And so maybe this Lent that we're experiencing right now is our opportunity for our own temptation and testing. Uh, maybe it doesn't happen on these specific 40 days. Uh, maybe it's something that happened to you last week or something that will happen in the next year. But I guarantee you, at some point, you're going to find yourself in a wilderness being tested by the devil. And I can guarantee you that this temptation is going to hit you right where it hurts. You'll be tempted to turn away from service to others and to use your abilities to take care of yourself. You know, like my dad says, you know, you're going to take care of me and my four and no more. And you'll be tempted in a way that's best put into the words of uh, Professor Dumbledore from the Harry Potter series. I'm a geek. <laughs> he says, dark times lie ahead of us, and the time will come when you must choose between what's easy and what's right. There's a reason the Bible describes the way of the kingdom as the narrow and steep way and the way of evil as the wide and easy road. And, and maybe most of all, you're going to be tempted to fill up your mind with a static idea of who God is. You're going to be tempted to compartmentalize God and then to deny God when God is just too wiggly to fit inside your box. You'll be tempted to look for assurance when the kingdom calls for faith. Now, that doesn't mean you should turn your brain off. But there has to be a balance. You know, we have to look at the world around us, and in this I'm including our ideas about God. We have to look at things with a certain amount of skepticism. Uh, but we can't make the opposite mistake. Alan Watts says it like this. He says, a person who clings to certain ideas about the nature of God and the universe becomes a per person who has no faith at all. Instead, they're holding on tight. But the attitude of faith is to let go and become open to truth, whatever it might turn out to be. And to me, I think that's the core of what Lent is about. You know, if we want to give something up for Lent, 
Maybe we give up self-defense. Maybe we give up guarding our fortress against temptation and testing and doubt and uncertainty. Uh, maybe we give up on fighting against the Holy Spirit who might just be leading us into the wilderness for a reason. Maybe we let go of who we think we are and who we think God is in the faith that out there in that wilderness we might just find the truth. And let's not forget the last part of this. When we get through this Lenten season, whether it's these 40 days or the wilderness that you're in in some other way, um, let's forget that it's not through. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Always an opportune time. There will always be a way in which you can be tempted and tested. But if you're willing to lock eyes with the devil and face the test with courage, let go of the things that are convenient and easy and sure, then maybe what you'll find is that these temptations and tests are being used to teach you more about a dynamic, loving, consistent, but still growing relationship that you have with the creator of the universe. One of my favorite musicians sings the line, if life keeps asking you the same questions, you ain't learning the lesson. So as we take the next few minutes to sit in silence, ask yourself in this Lenten season, in this season of temptation and testing and soul searching, are you learning the lesson? Yeah. <clears throat>